Welcome to Bookshelf Remix, a spoiler-full podcast where two scholars take deep dives into pop fiction by underrepresented authors. My name is Elena. And I'm Eva. And today we're discussing A Snake Falls to Earth by Darcy Little Badger. This book follows two parallel stories. Firstly, of Nina, a Lipan girl living in the human world, and secondly, of Oli, a shape-shifting cottonmouth snake living in the reflecting world of spirits and monsters. Both Nina and Oli are facing crises in their respective worlds. In Nina's world, extreme weather events are threatening her family, while in Oli's world, a mysterious sickness has taken hold of his friend. Through the book, we start to see hints that Oli and Nina's challenges are connected and follow both their paths to find a solution. So, Eva, how did you feel about this book? So, I really enjoyed this book. I think... After our last read, which was full of disgust and quite a a dark read, this felt so wholesome and like a big cuddle. And I used to be really the kind of person who would say like, anything that sounds like that is not for me. I'm a serious reader. And I used to think, oh, I'd never get anything out of YA books, which was quite pretentious of me. But I am starting to really love this genre where yes there's difficult things happening and there's serious references in here to um really concerning real life events climate change and um oppression of minoritized groups um particularly the lipan people and indigenous people in the u.s but it's just such a warm book about sort of genuine connections and care and friendship and just friends being together and yeah I felt very warmed by this book um yeah I just really enjoyed it I agree if I had to describe this book I would say it is delightful yeah it is a completely (laughs) delightful book And this is my third time reading anything by Darcy Little Badger. And it's really nice to see how she approaches similar themes from different angles. And I'm curious to know, did you love both parts of the book equally? So Nina's perspective, the human, and then Oli's perspective in the reflecting world. I think I like both characters equally. Like, I really liked... Ollie and Nina and at the start I would I don't think I felt strongly either way but I think as the book progressed I did feel that Ollie's storyline was a little bit more coherent and so I think I enjoyed that side of things a bit more yeah it just all the storyline held together better but I did really like sort of the characters in Nina's world her parents her grandmother the sort of what we know of her great-grandmother. But yeah, I do feel like Ollie's world was perhaps a bit more developed. What about you? I felt like I really loved being in Ollie's world, which is interesting because mm. I've seen reviews where people say the opposite, hmm. that they just couldn't get into it. But I absolutely love seeing Ollie and Risk and Rain, who are like coyote twins that are his friends, and they have little adventures and their little side plots and... I really loved how it was a distinct world that Little Badger created in the sense Mm. that you could 
understand as someone who is not indigenous myself but has had some exposure to indigenous storytelling you could see the references but you could also see how it was completely new and how these characters felt like very fresh and alive and yeah it, they were just such good friends and i just love ollie so much and i imagine him like turning into a snake and like holding his little glasses in his mouth as he <laughs> slithers on the ground and i just want to clutch my heart i love him so much um so for me i think i would have preferred the book if it was entirely in the reflecting world I did not really connect with Nina at all. And I understand the that the overarching kind of climate change plot needed that perspective. But for me, it would have been enough if it had just been mostly the reflecting world and then interacting in the bookstore. Because obviously, who wouldn't want a bookstore that is a portal to, <laughs> to other worlds? Yeah, I feel like we would have sorely missed the bookstore. I I feel like I I really liked where Nina's storyline was going in the first place of her. I loved that opening. So when the book opens, um, we see Nina at a younger age and she's sort of listening to her grandmother tell a story, but it's in a language that she doesn't know. Um, And then the sort of first half of the book I guess most of her um what she's doing in her world is trying to translate that story and we see her kind of connecting a bit with her indigenous heritage through that like through trying to translate this story and I think that speaks to yeah I guess the real world context in which like indigenous languages there's often very few people who who can speak them and some of them are sort of being lost slowly and the fight to keep those alive but also so I really like that and I I like the mystery of what she's going to uncover when she pulls us all together and we know a little bit somewhere that she gets at first but then later on it sort of turns into more of a story of her grandmother's house and her not being able to leave that and these extreme climate events and then it starts to be there's quite a lot of pieces going on and Nina's blogging and yeah I don't know I did really like her character though I felt like I could really she wasn't massively fleshed out but I could just imagine her I felt like and yeah yeah I mean we'll talk about it in recommendations but I guess there's a reason why maybe I I understand why you like Nina and I think I understand why I am like left a bit cold but Mm. we can discuss that later but yeah I think alluded to a little bit you know extreme weather events um, Nina's family is in Texas and it's hurricane season and tornado season and we also know that her mother is some kind of climate scientist or I think she's a translator working with the climate scientists. Yeah, but she works offshore. Mm. Um, So she's like on a ship Mm. in the ocean somewhere or in the Gulf or some place where people are doing scientific experiments. (laughs) (laughs) So she's basically not there. And I did enjoy the kind of text message Mm. conversations that Nina has with her mom. That can be hit or miss 
especially mm. in YA books when they try to transcribe texts. But I thought that was very sweet. And we learn that Ollie has a friend in the reflecting world whose name is Ami, and he is a toad. And so just to explain, everyone in the reflecting world, everything looks like the Earth, basically, but they have the pseudo-sun, just like not a real sun, and that's kind of like the portal they can use to go to Earth. And the people there are animals, they're animal people. So basically what they call their true form is when they're in animal form. And they call their false form when they're in human form. And so Oli can turn into like a human boy and he'll just kind of have scales instead of his eyebrows. And his coyote friends will kind of have like little tufts of ears tucked behind their hair and things like that. But Ami never changes. So Ami's only in his true form. And so he's always a toad. And I love their friendship. I love (laughs) that friendship. I love their friendship so much. And I think Little Badger did a great job at really creating a world where you can visualize. So only Oli can can speak to Ami, but they somehow understand each other. And you get very invested in this friendship. But then Ami kind of like goes into a coma. And we learn that it's because his corresponding species on Earth is becoming extinct. And so we learn that there is kind of a link between what happens on Earth and what happens in the reflecting world. And that's also something that I wish had been fleshed out more. I feel like at the end of the book, we get a lot of lore about what the reflecting world is, etc. And I wish we had had that more throughout the book. That was the turning point where Oli's like, we need to find a way to get to Earth so I can save the toads on Earth so that my friend in the reflecting world doesn't die. And I feel like that was like one of three um, tensions, but they all didn't work equally for me. So obviously that was the strongest tension. Hmm. Then there's the meta message about climate change and then there's the nightmare king oh the nightmare (laughs) king (laughs) the nightmare king the nightmare of needed editing (laughs) out so that nightmare king story i mean it's actually quite hard to summarize what that was because there was so like little material but basically there's these references, all the characters from the reflecting world seem very aware that there's a Nightmare King in France at the moment. And that that Nightmare King, whenever he finds out that there's someone from the reflecting world in the real world, then he sends his men or his people knights is that the word to to go and kill them and it's not really clear who he is or why he is motivated to do that where he comes from if he really belongs fully to the reflecting world and I don't know if this is something where there's like some indigenous folklore which has informed this that I'm not familiar with which is fair enough because it's 
totally it's fine if there's references which aren't for every reader but it did seem like that was meant to be a, a threat but it's very hard to feel that threat if you don't I guess understand it yeah I I just didn't see why it was necessary I guess we needed a reason for why the two worlds were no longer merged mm. but even that is not explained so and I thought like oh maybe she's setting up a sequel but then the book ends in such a way that it doesn't look like there will be a sequel mm. so I, I didn't quite understand why he was this quite big threat but that threat was never really fully realized um, like it never really came to be there wasn't some face off with the king and it also was almost like he had to be included for some reason but then he was brushed under the rug but oh don't worry he's not in the US he's in France and that seemed quite random I was like why is he in France (laughs) is this a metaphor for like was it meant to be like who's in France I was like is the king Marie (laughs) Le Pen I'm very confused (laughs) (laughs) but that would make Marie Le Pen immortal and we don't want that (laughs) Please, no. <laughs> um, so, I mean, that that was one bit that kind of disappointed me. But in terms of the relationship world building, I remember you mentioned before we even started the book that uh, you were glad that the protagonist or one of the protagonists was a snake. Yeah. <laughs> I really love the idea of a snake as a protagonist and even more so once we started reading the book because... I think we have all these expectations of snakes as sort of sneaky and like you would expect a book where a snake is the main character for that to be an antagonist or like a villain of some type um, because of the associations. But Ollie is not any of those. He's like quite cowardly, like, or like he likes to, yeah, he's, I guess he is a little bit cowardly and he likes his home comforts and bathing in the sun on a little rock. Um, and he likes making friends. He likes um, to read. Yeah, he loves to read. Um, and he's like really good at sort of translating between languages, which I guess possibly fits with, it's like a, I guess, different take on snake representation <laughs> I really liked it <laughs> no I agree and it, as you were talking it made me think every animal we see except for Ami the toad I guess are all predators mm. and it's it's interesting because he's friends with the coyote twins but also with an eagle and they meet wolves and bears and alligators and uh, yeah, so I think that's interesting to see mm. it that way and portray those animals as kind of being fragile or being imperiled, I suppose. But also there's like seamless weaving of they them pronouns yeah. throughout the book as well, which I found like very refreshing. And, you know, Nina does state, you know, that she's asexual, and I think that's maybe something little badger will be doing in every book so in terms of representation i think it's really good yeah and it was like quite casual like with brightest who's the eagle character they had they them pronouns and yeah it was just 
that was how they were referred to throughout. And that was, that felt, yeah, really seamless and natural. And I just liked the casual, casual representation throughout. It's not a book about identity in that way. Mm. Um, it's really, I guess, a book about friendship and looking after both the spiritual and the physical world and the connection between those worlds. But it's, yeah, I think for a YA book, that kind of representation is great. And I really enjoyed it, particularly the non-binary character. And I suppose this has become a running theme, kind of maybe unbeknownst to us when we chose the books for this season. But I want to ask you, what do you think about the representation of magic in this book compared to what we've read so far? Yeah, so I guess thinking back on the books we've read, we had Gold Diggers where magic had a price which sort of became apparent slowly later on. We had Piano Room where magic had an immediate price which was discussed. Um, (laughs) And then we had this book where the animals had a quite good sense of the risk they were taking when using magic and magic was used in like quite a well-informed way that this was something that they learned they learned how to do different types of magic from their family so for example the coyotes have a trick where they can trap sound or trap air of various types in a container um and that sort of links back to one of their stories about a coyote who trapped like a song. Um, But they understand that if they do a bigger trick, if they try to trap something larger, then that will have a greater impact upon the world. So there's a cause and effect. And if you want to make this big trick and do this big show, then there are going to be consequences. For example, if you're in the real world, it means that you will be sort of transported home more quickly. So the different animals, um, depending on their rarity in the real world, can stay in the real world for different amounts of time. So if they're very common animals like a coyote, they can stay there for a week or longer. But if they're very rare, it might be only a few hours. But if you start using magic or world bending, then that reduces the time you can spend. So, and there was no point where they totally overstretched themselves or did something which caused them or others significant harm that I remember um they were just responsible in using their power and I guess that was quite a nice message because normally when there's a setup like that you think someone's gonna overstretch themselves and they're gonna use too much power but it's almost like the animals from the reflecting world know when to stop whereas humans possibly in the real world don't know when to stop and they're going too far I think it's interesting that it's called Mm. world shaping or world bending. So it always has to do with the world. And so the world obviously is more than just me and like mm. me doing a magic trick or something. Like it's it affects the world. And there's a story where Oli's talking about his mom and being like, why do you go fish? Why don't you just like pull the fish from the water? 
uh, using world shaping and she kind of explains how that would have repercussions. And so it's the story of, yes, we have these powers, but they're not meant to be used as shortcuts mm-hmm. through life. They're meant to help us when we're in danger or save and protect the people we love. But it's not just meant as a daily mm-hmm. life hack, as unfortunate as that is, because sometimes I would like to <laughs> pull the food to me <laughs> at, at your food. I mean, I recently read, and I know that this is a very sort of introductory primer to Indigenous ways of interacting with the natural world, but Raiding Sweetgrass, that book. And I can definitely see some parallels, and it is an area where I'd like to read more deeply. But I guess already the principles of, you know, you're only meant to take as much as, even if you know a great place to find loads of forageable foods of one type you should only take a certain amount not just take all of it you should only use that power and your knowledge within amount that the world can sustain and I guess that's a similar message that we see here with the magic and something that the characters do seem really respectful of um so it's almost like that Chekhov's gun was there for that to be overdone but it wasn't shot and that was again subversive like the choice of which animals were main characters and I think it's telling that you know towards the end of the book they avert a natural disaster by using world shaping and then they face kind of their enemy and they're not the ones to like Mm. attack the enemy with the weapon they've created the enemy kind of does it to himself (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I did really enjoy that moment because you feel the satisfaction that he's going to suffer consequences, but he's kind of brought it upon themselves. No one's had to lower themselves to his level to get themselves out of this situation. You mentioned at the top that you don't read a lot of YA, but that you really enjoyed kind of the tone of this book. I found that Hmm. it felt a bit preachy to me I don't know like it wasn't as seamless as I would have liked as a metaphor or an analogy for like taking care of the planet and maybe that's just me being like I've read a lot of books (laughs) (laughs) but if I were like a young person reading this maybe Mm. it would feel fresher I don't know but do you think that there's a moral to the story or I did when I was reading this think is this story a bit like a fable because it did seem to have quite a moralistic tone in terms of it was quite clear throughout who were the goodies and who were the baddies um, with I guess one exception who is so which is the mockingbird who is so clearly identified as kind <laughs> of an ambiguous character like are they but I love the mockingbird, I love the they mockingbird. Were chaos um, but they're very clearly identified from the start as like morally ambiguous they're just here to cause chaos but everyone else was really clearly in one camp or the other um, and we very rarely we hardly ever saw the goodies sort of making a mistake or doing something in any way immoral or ambiguous and that that aspect of it did feel I guess a bit young t- to me um, as an adult reader but then 
I guess I'm not sure what exact age this was targeted at, but in terms of what the moral was, I feel there's something about sort of being pure of heart in terms of your intentions. So you're looking after friends or you're looking after family um, and at the same time trying to sort of preserve the world around you and be respectful of it. What did you think in terms of the moral? For me, I felt the overarching theme was we're all connected and we need to take care of the planet. What is happening has direct consequences. For example, Nina's grandmother is saying like during my lifetime, you know, there's been so much climate change that I've seen like the hurricane season get worse. And I've seen all these natural disasters increase in proportion. And so there is like a direct timeline of being like, hey, we are destroying the planet. The planet is changing and evolving. But then there's also commentary on like monetizing storytelling, which I thought could have been interesting, but fell flat. So Nina, as Eva, you were saying before, like she's she recorded her great grandmother on her deathbed telling a story in Lipan and she's been trying to translate it. And by doing that, she's using this app called Storyteller where she has a private account where she tells like stories as she discovers them about her heritage and her people. And eventually when they're trying to make a lot of money, she like basically sells a story to a very popular user on this app. And he's someone who, you know, has billions and lives in a big mansion and stuff. And obviously surprise, surprise, like doesn't help, etc. And I think there could have been something interesting with being like, what the storytelling mean to indigenous people? Why Mm. is it important for Nina to connect with her family this way? Why was it important for her great grandmother to tell this story on her deathbed? Like, what is the role of storytelling within culture? And then juxtaposed with this idea of storytelling Mm. as a capitalist tool. But (laughs) it was kind of a parallel that wasn't woven in yeah and the connection didn't quite work because the story that she sold wasn't even I kind of was anticipating that she was going to sell one of her personal stories Mm -hmm. kind of to do with her journey to translate her grandmother's story or about her heritage which then I guess could open up themes of sort of tokenism or feeling like exploited for your family's trauma or history or sort of extractative storytelling practices in like the media and particularly on social media but instead they sold a sort of staged video of a bear attack which um, she created with the characters from the reflecting world which felt like you know that's not a personal thing to her that she is selling so then when it kind of fell flat it didn't feel there wasn't a sort of personal aspect to it it was more like oh that little plan has failed rather than yeah whereas I feel like if she had sold something personal or even con- been considering that it might have brought into contrast the different roles of storytelling a little bit more but now that I'm thinking about it there is something there but I, I still maintain that it wasn't made 
very clear in the book itself. But as I think about it, it could be a story of she chose to play the settler capitalist game. She knew this video would gain a lot of mm. views and it did. And so they, she played the odds. She won in that sense. But because of the settler capitalist machinery, she doesn't get, you know, mm. her compensation through that. But it is through eventually through working with the animal people and using world shaping and Ali discovering that he can travel directly to his her grandmother's land. That is what saves Ami in the end. I guess there's also a message in there, isn't there, about sort of choosing to work through ways outside of that capitalist society like maybe another moral I guess of the story is to opt out of trying to go through those methods through the oppressor's methods and instead finding a way through like connection to the world like a spiritual and natural connection and that that is the way in which to sort of achieve the outcomes that you want rather than trying to like play the game how did you feel about the ending I think there were bits of the ending which felt a little bit rushed and I don't know if because at that point we had so many threads going Mm -hmm. because it sort of builds up to this quite big climax where there's a storm happening in the real world and all of the characters from the natural world have now sort of paired up with Nina and her family and they're trying to keep her family and their home safe from this storm or her grandmother's home safe from this storm there's world shaping and they sort of use up their time on earth and get transported back and there was a bit of the book which I was really excited about but then quite disappointed how it played out that Ollie decides instead of going through the pseudo sun which is the sort of established safe route to the earth where they have sort of set paths and everything he decides that would take too long so he decides instead to swim down into the lake next to where he lives and to tell the monster that lives in that lake a story to allow him to pass because he believes if he swims right to the bottom of the lake then he'll arrive back in the real world and he does do that but we don't hear anything of that journey we just hear that he swims he gets in the lake he swims down says the monster I'll tell you a story and then he's back in the real world and I just thought oh like yeah I feel where's like the tension it, it was rushed but I really liked that idea of like oh I can use my special skill you know as a snake mm and go down to the water and the water can connect to the well that's on Nina's grandmother's land and Mm. that we haven't mentioned, but has kind of been in contention. There's this man, Paul, who like is snooping around and we discover eventually like that he's a knight of the nightmare King and he's a, a spirit hunter. And so he's identified the well as a point of contact with the reflective world. And so I thought of the twist of having, Mm. Ollie's lake like bring him to the well was quite good but as you say that like well it was underdeveloped and I just wanted more yeah it was a great link and you could kind of see, I could kind of see it coming and I was excited for him to properly you know explore the lake there was a point where he was sleeping I think in a different part of the book and we hear the monster sort of responding 
to, they dropped a message into the lake and we hear the monster responding and I thought oh at some point we're gonna hear more of this monster or Ollie's gonna have to go in the lake and how's that going to be it took me so long to read this book that I had forgotten <laughs> that the monster had had a previous appearance <laughs> whoops <laughs> like it's all coming together yeah. so I feel like it's a very rich book mm. but not everything was tied up as tightly yeah maybe as I would have liked for a standalone book yeah you know maybe if there were a sequel maybe if we saw more of the monster or we saw more of like the knights of nightmare and stuff maybe that would make a bit of a difference but as a standalone i'm not quite so sure yeah but before we close i do want to talk quickly about the cover yes because <laughs> i think we both have the hardback levine Carido cover yes and it is absolutely gorgeous so the dust jacket is brilliant it has a kind of gray green dark gray matte finish which i love i love a matte finish and on it is like a cutout picture of basically nina with her headphones like basically listening to her uh, great grandmother's story and her dress at the bottom it has a cutout of a snake coiling around her and it's just absolutely beautiful i want to look up i think it says like who designed um, yeah. The book jacket and the interiors were both designed by the same person, so by Jade Broomfield. So whoever Jane Broomfield is, they have done an excellent job. But then, do you want to talk about Such the actual job. book under the? Yeah, it's. I actually was my jaw hit the floor when I took off the dust jacket because already I was like, "This is such a brilliant book." And then you take off the dust jacket and it's sort of a bright neon orange. And then on the front cover, we've got the characters all in their human form. And they're sort of in black line, but we see in white some of their special sort of characteristics. Or So we see the little wings on the side of Brightness's head. We see the ears on Rain and Risk. Um, we see Ollie's glasses. And then on the back cover, we see the characters in their animal form with their eyes in white. But it's just, it's just so cute. It's adorable. And the inside cover as well is snake skin printed, um, like embossed snake skin, which is... Yeah, there's so much detail that was given to this. Like, it is a work of art. I love it so much i i haven't seen something this beautiful in terms of like book design in a really long time i was obsessed <laughs> it is absolutely gorgeous and i love that they're all lined up and you have nina mm. there and you have her cat tightrope and i mean ami is still in his toad form because he doesn't change and then when you flip it they're all there except for mm. nina and her cat so it's like in the reflecting world, in the human world. Uh, yeah, I would I would buy a, a continuous yeah. print yeah. of this and put it on my wall. Like it is absolutely gorgeous. So kudos to everyone that was involved in designing this and creating it. Like it is a work of art and 
everyone should be very proud. So let's move on to recommendations. I guess I'll go first because mine is directly related. So I've mentioned that this is my third time reading Darcy Little Badger. So loyal listeners will remember that we discussed one of her stories in our coverage of Love After the End. She was the story of a little girl that stuck that gets kidnapped by a ship called Olivia and the ship tries to gaslight her into telling her that her family doesn't exist anymore <laughs> and the little girl has none of it and refuses to do like the ship's errands and stuff and it's great. But I also read Darcy Little Badger's first YA novel, Elatsoe, and I love that so much. So everything, Eva, that you like about Nina is like 12 times better in the character of Ellie. <laughs> so that's why I was like, oh, <laughs> Nina, I don't know. But because like Elatsoe is set in a world where there is magic, there are indigenous people who have magic, but there are also like elf people and they're also vampires and they're kind of all seamlessly woven in like no one is shocked about any of this they're just kind of like in the world and it's much more of a mystery where ellie goes to texas to find out like how her cousin died and kind of the big bad there like the overarching theme instead of climate change is white supremacy and settler colonialism and I just find there is like a very fun part where she goes she can communicate with spirits like she has a ghost dog with her that follows her around it's really cute and she can like kind of call on like ghost dinosaurs and stuff and there's a part where she completely transfers into the underworld and in this sense, like reading A Snake Falls to Earth was cool because for me, it's Darcy Little Badger saying, okay, what if most of my books was spent mm -hmm. in that other world as opposed to the opposite? So I love it. I find that it's, it has the beats of a YA mystery, but it also has this kind of thematic that for me wasn't too much hit over the head, but just had enough gut punch and it's funny and it's cute. And so basically everything I'm learning that I love about Little Badger's writing of it being kind of really wholesome and endearing uh, is there. But I think it just narratively mm. it was a lot tighter. I'm going to be putting it straight on. Well, I say putting it straight on my reading list. It's already on there <laughs> because straight away you were like, you have to read this before we'd even started A Snake Falls to Earth. So I'm really excited to read that. and. Please, I read in this order because then I wouldn't experience this as a lesser Elatsoe. But I mean, like, some people really prefer a Snake Falls to Earth. So everyone is different. So we don't know. So um, my two book recommendations, I've stuck to the YA theme, something I'm recently exploring. So my first is Mooncakes by Suzanne Walker and Wendy Zhu. So Mooncakes is a YA graphic novel. And I think it has a really similar feeling of sort of warmth and the importance of connection and also, there is a werewolf character who shapeshifts. So there are shapeshifting characters. There is 
queer representation, which is done in, again, like it's a reasonably casual way. It's not sort of the main crux of the book, but it, it is present and it's just adorable. It, the characters are so adorable. I just kept, while I was reading it, turning it around to my partner who was not reading the book and saying, look how cute this wolf is. Like, look at those little paws. Um, so if that is your vibe, I really recommend it. Got witches, werewolves. There's a little bit of a sort of hot fuzz, culty village vibe going on, um, which is fun. There's that in Illatsui as well. Love that. <laughs> Love that, love that trope. And the other one which I have to recommend is, I guess, just a, a deeper exploration of ace characters in something which is kind of YA adjacent. Like, I think, I'm not sure if this is purely YA or also designed for adults, um, but Loveless by Alice Oseman, um, which focuses around um, our main character who starts university and I guess they're slowly sort of exploring their sexuality and understanding yeah starting to maybe explore whether or not they identify as ace um and that's really yeah what the book centers around so it is like a full focus on that rather than we had Nina identifying as ace but that's not what the book is about but if you want to book about that I really recommend this one but I would say that in A Snake Falls to Earth there are themes that happen in Elatsui that were kind of made more explicit there where it's a theme of like found family and even like you know mm. Ali the snake gets adopted by the coyote pack yeah. um, and things like that so there's a strong idea of found family and in Elatsui Ellie has a specific gift, like the gift of speaking to ghosts or summoning ghosts. It's something that's passed on through her mother's line. And so there is a discussion of like, well, I'm ace and I'm not going to have children. What does it mean to like pass mm. this on um, and all that? So that's very interesting. So I definitely do recommend it to everyone. You know, the author is ace, the characters are ace and everything is ace. <laughs> which is what we want <laughs> so Eva where can people find you on the internet so you can follow me on twitter at EA Sprecher and on instagram at windup underscore book underscore chronicles um, you can also follow me on ResearchGate if that's your kind of thing <laughs> how about you you can follow me on twitter at Elena G. Mamrel and on my website elenagotiemamrel.com if you want to hear more of my voice in your ears, you can listen to my two other podcasts, Philosophy Casting Call and Women of Questionable Morals, which is a Gilmore Girls thematic podcast. And you can also follow Bookshelf Remix at Bookshelf Remix on all social media platforms. Please rate and review our show. This allows more people to find it. And you can also support the podcast by giving a tip on koficoffee.com forward slash brpod so text a friend in the reflecting world about the show text a friend who's a bit of a snake about the show and remember to give your bookshelf a good remix <laughs>